Hey, my friends, welcome to the Grace to Grow podcast. I am Crystal Ward, and we help busy people like you and me grow in our relationship with God today with just a few simple steps. I hope today's message helps you, that it encourages you, and most of all, that it leads you closer to Jesus. Check this out. Well, hello, welcome to Grace to Grow with Crystal Ward. I'm really excited to share today's episode with you. What we have for you today is a sermon that I did recently called Rise Up and Rejoice. It is about the joy of the Lord. And it was recorded previously, so you're going to hear some stuff about the Feast of Trumpets, which is earlier in the fall, and the Feast of Trumpets and how it ties into joy. But can I just tell you, the Lord has really been putting joy on my heart for the children of God during this season. I believe that we are called to walk in joy, but sometimes it can be really difficult to do. So how do we have joy? How do we go about that? It's not like you can just flip a switch and say, I have joy now. And so I would really love to re-preach this sermon to you right now, but I'm going to let you listen in for yourself. And I hope that it blesses you. I hope it helps you. And let's be a people of joy as we serve the Lord together. Okay, let's listen in. Okay, so here's the title of the sermon today. We have been in the Rise Up Conference, right? And so we're going to close it out today with Rise Up and Rejoice, somebody. Rise Up and Rejoice. Everybody say Rejoice. We're going to talk about joy. Come on. Y'all, it's 2020. Can you use a little bit of joy in 2020? I could use some joy in 2020. How about you? Somebody say amen if that applies to you. All right, so we're going to go to the key scripture that is often used for joy. We're going to go to Nehemiah 8.10. You have probably heard this scripture before. Nehemiah 8.10. Are we good to proceed? Everybody good? All right. Nehemiah 8.10 says, this is the New Living Translation, and Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your Nope, for the joy, say it louder. The joy of the Lord is your Yes, amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for all of your people in this house. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you have prepared a word for us today. Father, I thank you that you are going before us and you are making crooked places straight. Lord, I thank you that you are opening our hearts. You are opening spiritual eyes to receive what you have, Father. Lord, we take authority over all the power of the enemy, all the works of the enemy. He has no authority in this house because Jesus is king and Jesus is Lord. So, Father, we receive what you have today. Let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to tell you a story about Sister Margaret. When I was younger, 
I went to church with a lady named Sister Margaret. And Sister Margaret was at every service. Like, every time the doors opened, she was there. And she sat on the front row every service. It was like, do you ever have people that, we used to call them pillars. They're pillars of the church. Do you ever have people that, if they're not in their chair, it kind of weirds you out? Like, where's so-and-so today? That's weird, right? That was Sister Margaret. Sister Margaret had cancer. She did. But she sat on the front row, and every single service, she would dance And she would rejoice in the Lord like nothing was even happening in her life. It left such an imprint on me. I could look over every service just about, and I would see Sister Margaret dancing for Jesus. I would see her out in the community between services. And she was one of the most joyous people I had ever met, even though she was going through such difficult circumstances. Look, guys, and she danced for Jesus all the way up until the day she passed away. She didn't, def- well, she did defeat cancer. She defeated it in glory. That's what she did. But she danced for the Lord. Now, I'm not telling you if you're going through such a, a terrible situation, you should be dancing for Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that Sister Margaret left an imprint on my life for my entire life, y'all. And what if we could tap into some joy like Margaret did. Wouldn't that be incredible that we could go through such tough situations, but we could have joy and rejoice in the Lord, right? I believe that it's possible. And I wanna share a couple of tools with you today, like for your tool bag that you can apply to your relationship with Jesus. Sound good? All right, so let's take a look at our key scripture again. I always like to go straight into the word. I want to give you a little bit of context on this scripture, though. It's one that we hear all the time, but we don't always have a lot of context for it. It's quoted in isolation. So the Jews had been in captivity for 70 years at this point in Babylon, and they had been allowed to come back to their homeland. This is in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. When they came back to their homeland, there were, um, what would you say, like nations or people that had inhabited the, the land of Israel while they were gone. Enemies, right? And so when the Jews were allowed to come back home, they started to rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall around them. But there were enemies on every side. And these enemies would taunt them, and they would pressure them, and yet the building went on. And one day, after the temple had been built and after the wall had been built, Ezra and Nehemiah come out with the book of the law. And they gathered all the people together and they read the book of the law out loud. And as Ezra began to read from the book of the law, the people that were gathered began to weep and they began to cry and they were just grieved before the Lord. And that is when we get this famous passage where Nehemiah stands up. And he says, I'm going to read it in the King James Version this time. Nehemiah stands up and he says, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. I think that sounds like Bluebell, y'all. I feel impressed in my spirit. Just saying. 
a Texan thing. It's a Texan delicacy. Okay, let me get back to the word. Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. Everybody say sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to define a few key words in this passage because a lot of the times whenever I hear this passage, I don't know about you, I think about it from an American point of view. But it wasn't written to Americans. It wasn't written about Americans. It applies to us like through inference, through, um, I don't know how to, it, it applies to us today because the Lord intended for us to use it for our life today because we have been adopted as his children, but it's a Jewish text. So I want to define a couple of these words and let's dig into it a little bit. Does that sound good to you? Let's look at um, the phrase, neither be sorry, neither be sorry. So many people, when they're reading this verse, I've heard a lot of people teach that the Jews began to repent as they heard the word of God, that they were hearing the word of God, and some of them maybe for the first time, and they began to repent. But as I studied this scripture, that word sorry doesn't mean repent. That's another word, a total different word in Hebrew for the word repent. In fact, this same Hebrew word, it's in English when we read it, but it wasn't written in English, hello? Do y'all know that? Jesus didn't speak English, everybody? Okay. okay. I know, it's newsflash, I know. Um, it was written in Hebrew, possibly even Aramaic, but whenever you look at all of the ways that word was translated, sorry, it's never translated repented. So I'm not sure that they were repenting as they heard the word. Let's look at the actual definition. The actual definition of this Hebrew word right here means to carve, to fabricate, or to fashion. By, in, in a sense, it means to worry, to be in pain, or to be angry. Now I read that definition and I was like, huh? To carve or to fabricate? but they translated it, sorry, Lord. Like, I don't get that, right? Does that make sense? That doesn't make sense, so I began to pray. And if you notice, by extension, the word means to worry. See, when we worry, we carve and we fabricate in our minds what might happen and what could happen in our life. Isn't that what we do? Sometimes even when we're angry, we're angry about things that are actually not even true. We fabricate it in our mind, right? I actually did that this week, y'all, no lie. I, I already had this sermon written and I started to fabricate something in my mind out of what happened this week. So I sent this email uh, it was a really important email, and I was waiting on a response for it to come back. And I was waiting and waiting. Now, look, when you write a sermon, you're going to have an opportunity to test it out in your life. Anybody that's written their sermons knows that that is the case. And so I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to get upset. No, mm -mm. no, because it's a test. And I was waiting and waiting 
And the longer I waited, the more my mind started to fabricate. Now, look, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Y'all love me, so you can't judge, right? No judging. I really, really hate to be ignored. Oh, my goodness, I hate to be ignored. Even worse, I hate to be dismissed. Y'all ever feel like that when somebody just dismisses? Oh, oh, my goodness. Look, I'm going to repent, y'all. I'm working on it. If you want to push my buttons, ignore me or dismiss what I have to say. It will push my buttons, but please don't. <laughs> so as I was waiting on this email, my mind just got going more and more and more. I call it the hamster wheel. Come on, you ladies know what that feels like when your mind gets on the hamster wheel and you just can't make it stop no matter how hard you try, right? And that hamster's just doing this number, right? Until the hamster finally falls off. And so... Right as I was just super frustrated about it, I opened up my email and, oh, oh, there's her response. Oh, oh, that was sweet of her to say. There was all kinds of little exclamation points in there and everything, and it was super nice. Fabricate, guys. You see that? We allow our mind to run wild when we worry, sometimes when we get angry, sometimes when we're hurt, and it's not based on truth. And Nehemiah said, do not be sad. Do not be dejected and sad. So what were the Jews worried about? They got to return from their homeland. They got to rebuild the temple. They got to rebuild the wall. What on earth? were they upset about? And I believe they were upset maybe at the state of their nation. 2020 much? Right? Maybe they looked around and they saw what their nation could be, but that's not what they saw with their physical eyes. Maybe they thought about the years of captivity and the brokenness and all of these things and all of the brokenness that was around them, and they were grieved and they were worried for the future of their nation, right? All right, let's look at another phrase. For the joy of the Lord, for the joy of the Lord. That's what Nehemiah said. Don't be dejected and sad. Don't be sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So joy in Hebrew here, is actually rejoice. So the word joy is a noun, right? Person, place, or thing. But the word rejoice is a verb, which means to do something, right? And whenever you look at that word rejoice, you see re, R-E. You know what that means? to do it over and over and over and over, to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoy in the Lord over and over and over. Y'all still with me? Yeah? Come on. I think that this is going to unlock a really powerful truth for you in your life. So the next phrase is your strength. Don't be sad, don't be sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, as an American, when I hear strength, I think strength, right? Or maybe emotional strength, or I think um, something to that effect. But when you study this word, it doesn't mean physical strength, it doesn't mean emotional strength, it doesn't mean spiritual strength, it doesn't mean any of those things. 
When you look at the definition of the word, it actually means a fortified place, a strong tower. So whenever I think about this word, the joy of the Lord is my strength, a lot of the times I think to myself, okay, have joy. I don't, it's not working. You ever tried that? Have joy now. Because when I have joy, I am strong. I don't have joy any more than I did five minutes ago. Do you ever feel that way? Like you want to have joy, but you just don't, right? But in this passage, it's saying the joy of the Lord is your fortified place or strong tower. Rejoicing in the Lord is your strong tower. Now, what is a strong tower? A strong tower, if we were Hebrew, we would know exactly what that is. A strong tower was a, a, a strong tower in the middle of a town that was a fortified place that they could run to in case of attack. When there were enemies all around, they could run into the strong tower and they would be safe. They knew exactly where it was. They knew that they could run into it when the enemies creeped around outside. There were watchmen around it. The strong tower was a place of safety. It was a place of rest. It was a place of protection. All right, let's tie all these things together. Rejoicing in the Lord. Oh, you know what? I have a verse I want to go to before we do that. I mean, when you put it together, it's interesting, right? Like, why would he say rejoicing in the Lord is your strong tower? It's not what it sounds like in English at all. See, let's look at Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 3. I think we can get a picture of their frame of mind. It says in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 3, this is Nehemiah speaking this time. He said, I said to them, do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day. Even while the gatekeepers are on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Appoint residents of Jerusalem to act as guards. Everyone on regular watch, everyone. Some will serve as sentry posts and some in front of their own homes. See, they needed a strong tower because they had enemies on every side, all around. Nehemiah told them, do not leave the gates unlocked at all. So if you're in a very busy city, that means people are coming into the city, they unbar the gate, they open it, they let them in, they bar it back. They unbar the gate, they open it, let them in, they bar it back. So it would make more sense to leave the gates open to allow people to come freely. But there were so many enemies all around that they had to keep it barred shut at all times. What does that mean for us, guys? That means don't fabricate, don't worry about things in your mind. Instead, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoy over and over because when we rejoice in the Lord, it is our strong tower. It is our place of safety. It's our place of refuge that we can run. It's the place that we can go hide where the enemy can't touch us. Come on. When we rejoice in the Lord, the enemy's got no place in that place, right? Come on. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Let's look at another passage here. We're actually going to come back to Nehemiah, but I want to jump to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, this is from the New Living Translation. This is King David speaking. King David says, 
my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan to help, groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Have you ever felt that way in your life? I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I don't see breakthrough, Lord. Let's look, let's jump to verse 16. Same chapter, but verse 16 and 17. He says, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all of my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. You see, he's surrounded by enemies on all sides. Now let's look at verse three. This is also a very famous passage of scripture. Verse three says, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. This is the same passage in other translations that says you inhabit the praises of Israel. So that word enthroned means to place on the throne. So look, when we worry, God is still on the throne. When we are in victory, God is still on the throne. Our situations don't impact how much or how little God is on the throne. It's his throne. He's always on it. So why is he enthroned on our praises? He is put on the throne in your mind, in your heart, and in your emotions every single time you praise him. When you lift up a praise to the Lord, what you are actually doing is you are placing him on the throne of your soul, of your thoughts, of your desires, of your emotions. God is seated on the throne in my soul. Did you know that most battles in our life, the majority of them are not physical battles. The majority of our battles in life take place in our soul, in our mind. That's where we fabricate, right? In our emotions, our feelings, and in our will or our desires. That is where the battle is hottest in life. And everybody listen to me. This is what I want. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this. When you are in the heat of battle, when you are fighting, if you will rejoice in the Lord, if you will declare the praises of the Lord, if you will let it come out of your mouth, know, my Lord, you are good. Lord, I know what this situation is like, Father, but you are good and you only do good, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are strength to me, Father. I thank you that you are taking care of my family. When you begin to rejoice in the Lord, most of that battle just goes away. This story is not in my notes, but... I've told you guys about uh, an issue that we had with Evan whenever he was an infant and having seizures, over 70 seizures in the course of a month. I felt like I was going to go crazy. I literally felt like I was going to lose my mind. And so I called Pastor Karen and I'm like, I, I, I'm a wreck. I don't know what to do. My house is falling apart. My family is really struggling. Um, it was such a stressful, intense environment. Y'all, she had the nerve to tell me 
I think you need to put on some praise music. That's not really what I feel like doing. But I obeyed because I know the power of obeying spiritual authority. So I took like the praise of praise. I I think I turned on Eddie James. I don't know if you know Eddie James, but Eddie James tears it up on some praise. And I turned on Eddie James and I began to just praise the Lord even when I didn't feel like it. And do you know what? The situation didn't change right then. It did not change immediately. But the atmosphere of my home did change. The battle that was waging in my soul did change. And now that's something I have in my arsenal at all times. When I began to struggle, when I began to feel dejected and sad, when I began to fabricate things in my mind and I get on the hamster wheel, I know that I can lift up a praise to the Lord and the enemy has to flee in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, so Philippians 4 says this. Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. And when I would hear that, I'm like... I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be full of joy. I try, but it doesn't work. But now we know how, right? We rejoice in the Lord, and that brings us into joy. He says, I say it again, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts. There's that that strong tower, you see it? His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen, somebody? Y'all with me? You getting it? Let's go back to Nehemiah 8.10 one more time. I want to just define one more thing for you. In the King James Version, he says, then he said unto them, go your, go your way, eat, eat the bluebell, and send the portions unto them. Like, give bluebell away for people that don't have any. For this day is holy unto our Lord. This day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm reading that, and I'm like, what day? Like Monday? I mean, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be joy- rejoice and be glad in it. So, like, every day is holy unto the Lord? No. Yes, yes, that's true. But this day was a different day. This day, actually, when you study it out, was Rosh Hashanah. It was the Feast of Trumpets, the Jewish New Year. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that when I started to study. Some of you guys, you Bible scholars, probably did know that. Well, I didn't know that. This day on Rosh Hashanah is the day that God is celebrated as the king of the universe. Jews believe that this this new year is the day that God created the universe and they celebrate him as king of the universe. They eat something called challah bread. Challah bread is shaped in a circle like this and it looks like a crown, Rosh Hashanah. And on Rosh Hashanah, uh, it is the first of the high holy days It's a day of celebration. It's a day of feasting. And then after Rosh Hashanah follows a day or or a time period of prayer and fasting and repentance. But it begins with celebration. And on Rosh Hashanah, they actually blow the shofar. The shofar is a trumpet that's made out of ram's horn. 
It's not like a regular trumpet, but, and they blow it a hundred times. And so I started to research why they blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Now, whenever a king was coronated, we've seen this in the movies, they blow the trumpets like do 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 do, right? And and they're coronating the king. And so one of the reasons why they blow the shofar is to celebrate God as king of the universe. But there's another reason. They believe that they play that they blow the shofar. Now, if you research this out, This is not in scripture. This is based off of Jewish beliefs, off of the teaching of rabbis. Jews will tell you one of the reasons why they blow the shofar a hundred times is to confuse the Satan and to nullify his accusations. They call him the Satan. The shofar, the blowing of the trumpet, the sounds of praise confuses the Satan, the Satan, and nullifies his accusations. Are you guys getting that? That's a good word. That's a good word. Let me show you something in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is the story. We're not going to read the entire thing, but this is the story of King Jehoshaphat. And the Moabites and the Ammonites were, uh, it says that there was a horde of them, and they were coming to attack the Jews. And King Jehoshaphat and the Jews were were scared out of their mind. And so they began to seek God and ask him, Lord, what do you want us to do? There's a horde of enemies heading our way. Guys, have you felt like in 2020, there's a horde of enemies around you? I am not going to lie, guys. At the ward house, we have been fighting off enemies left and right, not physical enemies. Scripture says we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and high places. So it has felt like in, in our world that things are closing in on us in every side. Can you guys relate? And that is the situation that Jehoshaphat and the Israelites found themselves in. And it says in verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And get verse 22. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Everybody say, at the very moment. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Mount Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah that's the Lord's people, arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Their praise wiped out the enemy. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment and clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. Come on, somebody. Praise, rejoice. When we rejoice in the Lord, it confuses the enemy. Come on. I get this picture. 
I get this picture of like Satan and, and demons and you know they're real. The scripture talks about them, right? And so, but you don't have to be afraid of them because we have Jesus. And so I get this picture of Satan like turning to another demon and being like, wait, why, why are they rejoicing? Didn't you order that attack on them? Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. Well, then why are they praising? Didn't you hit them with this and this? Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. We hit them with all that. Then why are they rejoicing? Why are they praising? When we rejoice in the Lord, when we declare his praises, the enemy gets confused, right? And it starts to, it starts to bring confusion and, and, and they start to fight each other in the camp, amen? All right, worship team, y'all can come on up. We're gonna summarize. For all the points people, I do have points today. I'm a points person too. All right, number one, the joy of the Lord is a product of praise. It is a product of praise. Number two, well, let me just say this. If you wanna live in the joy of the Lord, live a life of praise every day. Your joy will follow your praise. And you will not always feel like praising. But see, the Lord's value and worth of praise is not attached to earthly circumstances. Scripture says our life on this earth is but a vapor. I'm not diminishing your circumstances. And guess what? The Lord doesn't diminish your circumstances either. Scripture says that he collects all of our tears in his bottle. He's not diminishing your circumstances, but his worth goes beyond our circumstances because our life here is but a vapor, but he is worthy of eternal praise forever and ever. Did y'all see that? So if you wanna live in joy, it follows your praise. And number two, joy, the joy of the Lord is a place of protection. It is our strong tower against the enemy. And then number three, the joy of the Lord is a producer of panic in the enemy. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're gonna get, we're gonna get ready for a time of prayer. I would be amiss, I'd be wrong, if I didn't give you an opportunity to know Jesus in this moment. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of Rosh Hashanah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus, there's a, there's a verse in chapter John chapter 15 where Jesus is getting ready to head to the cross and he's giving his disciples all of his last minute things. And he says to them, I'm telling you these things so your joy may be full and your joy may overflow. Jesus is the key and the king of our joy. Why don't you bow your heads for just a minute? I want you to just to focus in on the Lord. No distractions right now. No distractions. In Jesus' name, no distractions. If you want to know Jesus, you want this king of joy, I just want you just to lift your hand to him right now. Yeah, I see those hands. Awesome, awesome, awesome. 
Awesome. I want to know you, Jesus. Reveal yourself to me, Lord. I want to know you. I want to give my life to you, Lord. Lord, reveal yourself in this moment right now as the bringer of joy, the life more abundant, Father. You can put your hand down. The Lord sees your hands. Thank you. Thank you. I just, hmm, thank you. I saw at least six hands now. I want to give just one more opportunity. I don't want to pass this moment up. You say, I've got to have joy. I've got to have freedom in my life. Jesus is the bringer of those things. I want to give you one last chance. If you don't know Jesus and you want to commit your heart to him today, you want to know him, I want you to lift your hand up to the Lord. If you already lifted your hand, leave it down. Only those that haven't lifted their hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any last hands of somebody that wants to know Jesus? I'm just going to lead you through a prayer, but I want you to know that this is you committing your heart to Jesus, to know him fully, to love him and to serve him. I'm going to help you with the words, but this is you talking to him. Everybody, let's repeat this together so nobody feels left out. Dear Jesus, I give you my heart today. I want the life that you give. I want the joy of knowing you. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all of my sins, to wipe my slate clean so I can know you, Lord, so I can be close to you, and I can receive the fullness of joy that you promised commit my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And those of you watching at home, if you committed your life to Jesus today, I want you to write the word commit in the comment section. We want to be able to connect with you and we want to be able to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And I have one more thing to tell you. So as I was, uh, why don't y'all go ahead and stand researching Rosh Hashanah, I thought, wait a minute, isn't that a fall festival? Isn't that a fall holiday? When is Rosh Hashanah 2020? Y'all, it's this Friday. This weekend. It is the day that we celebrate Jesus as King, as
Well, we hope you enjoyed the message today. We hope that it inspired you and that it brought you closer in your relationship with Jesus. If it helped you, why don't you just click the subscribe or the follow button right now so you can stay up to date on all of our latest podcast episodes. For more information and resources, you can head on over to crystalward.com. And we would like to get to know you. You can find us on all your favorite social media channels. Hey, we are so excited to be on this journey with you as we lean on God's grace to grow together. See you next time.